Now the works of the flesh are evident. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. God really wants us to get to heaven. He, He actually really wants us to succeed in that which is His calling on our lives. The Bible says He's for us and not against us. So part of this mission of God's is that he makes the Bible really plain when it needs to be really plain, when it's something that's really important that we don't sort of think is vague or mysterious, that he cuts right down to brass tacks. This uh, passage in Galatians is one of those. I actually, this is one of those sermons where I invite you to pull it out in your bulletin um, to look at it from Galatians chapter 5. So if you flip to Galatians chapter 5. What we see here is that God boils all of sort of the human struggle down to two things, two opposing forces, the spirit and the flesh, right? The spirit meaning the Holy Spirit of God and the flesh meaning all that's in us that's not godly, right? The longings of our flesh, of our minds, whatever it may be, anything that kind of springs from us, these two things are at war, the flesh, the flesh and and the spirit. If we live our lives taking our cues from our flesh, God says we will actually forfeit the inheritance of heaven. Right, look at verse 21. I'm not making this up. Look at verse 21. After a long list of vices, it says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So let me ask you, ordinarily, and I'm no probate lawyer, <laughs> but ordinarily, who gets an inheritance? The family, right? The family, the descendants that are in the will receive the inheritance. And what a great metaphor for the promises of God. We are already God's family. You who are Christians have already been incorporated into the body of Christ. You are, God is now our Father. So you have an inheritance coming to you, and we call that heaven or paradise or all of the eternal bliss. Call it what you will. There is an inheritance that's promised to the family. And just like in earthly families, where you have to do something pretty bad to get ridden out of the will, in most cases. I know some, some of you have very dysfunctional families, uh, and maybe there's other factors at play, but usually you have to do something really bad to get written out of the will. And what this list that we have in Galatians chapter 5 is, is a list of the things that God says, don't get stuck in these things. If you persist in these sins, the sins of the flesh, you'll forfeit the inheritance. Now, I want you to catch my words really closely. I want to say persist in these sins, right? Because all Christians were liable to fall into particular sins at different times. It's not, have you ever done one of these sins? Well, then the future's in doubt. It's, do we persist in these sins without repentance? That is what would lead us ultimately to actually missing out on the inheritance that we should be getting, the eternity of happiness with Jesus Christ. So I want to examine this list, just walk through it, because sometimes when there's a list in the Bible, I hear one or two things, and I just go in my mind, all right, it's a list. And I kind of stop listening um, to the details. So I want to walk through these details. There's 15 vices in this list, which I just want to pause briefly over each one. So the list begins with uh, sexual immorality. The Greek word here is porneia. And it just means anything that is a sexual sin. And why do you think this sin is listed first in the list? Because it's the one we're most tempted to struggle with. Right? God knows us. He made us. He watches our lives very closely. He knows what we are beset by before and behind. 
And right at the front of this list is sexual immorality, which is to say not just the sexual sins that we think are beyond the pale that other people struggle with, the ones that are in our backyard. All sexual activity outside of marriage, all selfish sexual activity inside of marriage. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Um, If you wonder, well, what's meant by impurity? If your mother found out you're doing it, would you blush? (laughs) Then it's impure. So a lot of stuff can fall under that category according to your age and station in life. But God is a God of light. We shouldn't be doing anything that's blush-worthy, right? Anything that's impure. Sensuality, what's meant by that in the Greek is think of Mardi Gras. But not just what Mardi Gras does outwardly, so many movies and books do sort of secretly. Sensuality is is everywhere. Idolatry, which means worshipping that which is not God. There are a lot of things that we can be tempted to worship, um, but there's a handful of things that we see from the history of Israel um, and from Christian experience that sort of rise to the fore. Um, Fortunately for me, they all begin with the same letter, so they're easy to, to list. Um, money, right? Jesus says you can't serve God and money. Mammon. So money. Mary, the Blessed Virgin. Sometimes in wanting to honor God's dear saints, we can go too far and make it idolatry. And also, uh, well, this actually doesn't begin with an M, but country. We live in a wonderful country. We're about to celebrate July 4th, right? I am so thankful for God's gifts that he's given us in this country. But something we see in the past is that it's, especially when a country is great, it can be tempting to make an idol out of it. Anything that's good, we can be tempted to make an idol out of. Sorcery. This includes horoscopes, palm reading, seances. Um, One of the things that I've had a number of conversations in other churches, in this church, where I hear all the time people say, you know, the church never mentions these things. I'm I'm taking this Sunday to say, we're going to mention all of them. So let it never be said that the church doesn't mention these things because the Bible mentions them. And it's important to be clear about them from time to time. All of these things, if they are sins that if we persist in them, we can forfeit our inheritance. This is serious. Enmity, which I think looks like keeping family grudges. Or maybe sometimes even ethnic grudges. Strife, this looks like bickering with your spouse habitually. Jealousy, wishing you had what your neighbor has. Fits of anger, whether it's in the car, in the kitchen, or on internet comment boards. Rivalries, which then as now was a political word. So the way CNN watchers talk about Fox News watchers and the way Fox News watchers talk about CNN watchers, that can come dangerously close to rivalry. Not of the good kind, of a kind that's a, a, a seed of discord and contention that can become sin. Dissensions, which I think, I had to look up a lot of these Greek words because I'm like, what do these words mean um, in Greek? Undermining leadership that you disagree with. Divisions, I think Paul has in mind specifically in the church, following party lines within the church. Envy, thinking others that have been honored and you yourself have been overlooked. Drunkenness. Some synonyms for drunkenness. Buzzed. Tipsy. High. Right? We, these are things we, we, words we use to try and excuse what the Bible just calls 
being drunk. Orgies, parties where many of these sins are combined. Uh, Fifteen pretty clear works of the flesh. Not pretty clear, very clear works of the flesh. Paul says this list isn't exhaustive. Um, at the end of verse 21, he says, you know, and things like these. So if there is a sin of the flesh that you struggle with that's not on this list, don't think that you're in the clear. This is just the beginning of the list. And God is warning us, if we persist in these things, if we do them, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Christian, the question is very simple. Are you doing these things? Is there something on this list where you're like, I'd even wager that if there is, um, you might be tempted to think, well, my one on the list isn't as bad as some of the other ones on the list. That's the flesh's classic move to justify itself to us, to kind of cozy up and try and convince us that it's not that bad. The Bible doesn't make such distinctions. It just rattles them off in a list. So Christian, if you are um, doing any of these things, in the name of God, I urge you, stop doing them. Stop doing them. The Bible says, don't gratify the desires of the flesh, which means not now, not this week, not ever. Instead, walk in a manner worthy of our calling. I love this language, walk with the Spirit. I love how this passage ends. Keep in step with the Spirit, seeking to follow God in the midst of the day and not just the impulses of the flesh that rise up. Something we studied in um, Adult Ed this morning is, if you feel the impulse towards these sins, join the club. Right? That's the nature of having a flesh, is that we all have it. There's nothing unregenerate or unchristian about being tempted towards these things. That's the human condition till our dying breath. The question is, are we giving in to that temptation? That's everything. Paul, um, inspired by the Spirit, goes on to give a list of, well, if these things sort of characterize a life lived in the flesh, what characterizes a life lived in the Spirit? And here we get the beautiful list of the fruits of the Spirit, love, which notice is at the head of the list of good things, just like lust was at the head of the vice list, because love is the opposite of sexual immorality and of lust. Joy, peace, patience, right? These are the opposites of anger and enmity and division, kindness and goodness, which is the opposite of envy, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, means to obey God and honor him with your body rather than dishonoring God with impurity or sensuality. The funny thing about the fruits of the Spirit is none of them can you just sort of set out to do and do. Who who of you can just say, I'm going to be peaceful? (laughs) Right? It doesn't work that way. And this is what separates Christian morality from shallow moralism. Right? It's moralism. The, The Greek philosophers did this. Don't do this. Do this. God knows us better. He says, yes, you can cooperate with the Spirit in saying no to the deeds of the flesh, but you can't acquire virtue on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to be seeking God. And if you seek God and his righteousness, well, lo and behold, this fruit comes forth. If you seek God, wow, all of a sudden there's a bit more peace in your life. If you seek God over time, there'll be an increase of patience and joy and faithfulness and gentleness. We can't manufacture these virtues on their own. They're the byproducts of a life that is seeking God. Right? Seeking to God in his word, seeking God in prayer, seeking God in obedience, seeking God in Christian fellowship. If we want more of those things, you don't strive directly for them. You don't say, oh, I just want more self-control. 
He said, Lord, I, I want to follow you more closely. And then he'll give you more self-control. And similarly, in the same way that the temptations to the sins of the flesh doesn't mean we're not a Christian, the fact that we haven't acquired all the fruits of the Spirit yet doesn't mean we're not on the path. Right? I, I've, been, I've told some of you I'm trying to grow peaches in my yard, and those of you who know me know I have next to no natural patience. Um, so I literally was checking the tree like every week for the first uh, season, and then about every two weeks for the second year, and it finally fruited this year, at which point I'd forgotten all about the fact we had a tree, and, and the bugs ate them all. Um, but what I learned from this lesson is that fruit grows slowly, and it's the same thing with the fruits of the Spirit, that in seeking God, we should, it would be presumption to sort of seek God for a day and be like, now where's all the fruit of the Spirit? In seeking God over time, we should expect to see more of them added to us over time, and we should be patient in that work of the Spirit in us. The one thing to do, Galatians 5 makes really clear, walk according to the Spirit. If you're seeking God in the midst of the day-to-day, that's the flip side of the coin of saying you're opposing the flesh, and you're inviting, you're making space for the Holy Spirit to do His work and to bring forth His good fruit. And when that's the case, when we're seeking God and, and, and outward fruit starts to kind of confirm, wow, look, I actually am a bit more patient than I used to be, or more gentle, or more faithful. Um, that's a source of confidence that, wow, I have not pushed away my inheritance. The inheritance that God has promised us because of the death of Jesus. The inheritance of getting to be with God forever. I'm not resisting that inheritance. I'm not doing things over and over, trying to get myself written out of the will. Instead, I'm remaining in his good and perfect will. Amen.